Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. It's a regular game week, and we are looking at midweek football in European competition. Hosts Brian and Bucks back on the mic. And if you didn't hear already, we are both in the dumps. Me more than Brian. I'm like a sewer rat right now. That's how low and piled on garbage I am. Uh, My wild card went horribly wrong. And we'll talk about that during this episode. Man, I feel for our pod partner, Bucks, here. He has had a rough week, and there's nothing less that you want to do and get back on the microphone after an abysmal game week. So, Bucks, we got to start with you. All right, how are you doing mentally? What, where are you at? Let's talk about the wild card results from game week 13. Oh, I'm in a dark place because pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong. From the 50-50 decisions to final last-minute tinkering to some of the punts that I took on Darwin and Trent, everything went belly up for my team. And it ended up with me on a massive red arrow, and I doubled my rank uh, in the season. Boy, so I, was, I was having a pretty strong start uh, in the first 12 game weeks. I was around 150,000 overall. Top 1% of the FPL game. And just with this game week, I I was so far off the mark. I fell all the way to around 340K overall. So uh, I'm still doing relatively well, all things considered. But uh, when I was really psyching myself up, I'm getting all uh, hot and bothered about this huge score I'm going to get on wildcard. I was talking crazy amounts of smack to my co-host Brian and to some other <laughs> members of our mini league. I was like, just wait till the wild card comes. I'm going to kick you guys right in the nuts and elsewhere. That's not so pleasant. And uh, it backfired because I kicked myself in the nuts and the, uh, the boot then went and clocked me right in the face also for good measure. It was horrible. Yeah, that's definitely a tough situation. I know last episode I was very much feeling the FOMO and the jealousy that I did not have a wild card going into game week 13, especially with the fixtures turning for both Arsenal and the likes of City. Tell the listeners what your team did in game week 13 and where your wild card ended up. Things changed between when we recorded and my final wild card team. I ended up landing on triple City, triple Arsenal, and triple Liverpool, but I skipped Salah. So I went Darwin, Trent, and Joe Gomez. Three semi-differentials at this point in the season. Darwin is injured, so he doesn't play against Nottingham Forest. Trent gets a cameo appearance for one point, and Joe Gomez seems to do something out of his mind every game because he was pretty much directly at fault for the goal that uh, Forrest ends up scoring. So that's really frustrating. So that doesn't come off. And then I had Foden, who I swapped KDB for before the wild card. He gets a one point cameo. The only thing that went right in my entire game week was captaining Erling Holland. He gets 26 points total. Every other player in my starting lineup ended up with a one or two point performance. So pretty miserable scenes over on Bucks squad. Yeah. And let's uh, add some insult to injury bucks. Why don't you tell the listeners how many points you had on your bench in the wild card for 13? Oh, you know, just a cool 20 pointer. Uh, The difference between a 61 point score for context would have brought me into the the five digit ranks. I would have been around 70 or 60,000 overall. So the fact that I just got every single decision wrong 
is a real gut punch. And just, we should give full disclosure, Brian. We were talking right before the deadline. I ended up going with Ramsdale in goal and bringing Joe Gomez in as my kind of fifth budget defender. And we had been talking about doing Keppa and Ben White. And I ended up thinking that was a little too template. And I was fearing that Ben White might get rotated before the World Cup with his potential inclusion for the England national team. Long story short, Ben White sparkles. He gets an assist. He gets bonus points. He gets a, he doesn't get a clean sheet, but he gets points. And everyone else in my team that I did end up selecting does not. So uh, brutal noodle kind of game week 13 for me. On paper, your team looks very solid, Buck. So it's just a blip in the kind of overall radar of the season. But it definitely is one of those things where we just get so psyched and so pumped up about wild carding and you're picking a whole new team. And when you have your previous game week's team beat the score of your wild card, it really sends you into a deep pit of despair. So I feel for you, Bucks. And uh, yeah, Liverpool has just been such a bugaboo for all FPL managers this season. I can't tell you how many transfers I've wasted in between going from Sala to KDB, KDB to Sala, yada, yada, yada. It just hasn't worked out for a lot of FPL managers. And, um, you know, at least between the Darwin and Sala shout, like you were definitely going to have one of those two players on your team. Sala only got two points, right? So even though Darwin did not feature, at least he's only 8.8 million and you're not wasting a full 12.7, 12.8 million like I am right now on Sala. So Better days ahead, but Liverpool is definitely a complete yo-yo and are really spurning FPL managers this season. Absolutely, and they, they are the bipolar team this season, uh, without a doubt. The issue was that I didn't have Andreas Pereira as my first bench. I had Trippier in that spot as the first bench, and because Trent gets a meaningless cameo appearance chasing the points, my 10-pointer from Andreas is stuck looking me square in the face saying, John, why did you do this to me? Why are you doing this to your FPL team like this? And it was it was just a real, I couldn't get out of my own way this game week. So really frustrating. But uh, let's move on to greener pastures with your game week score. You didn't do quite as miserably as my wildcard team did. My run of six consecutive green arrows has come to an end. I got 50 points all out. And honestly, the, the game week average was only 51. So it was fine. I, I felt I felt like a hundred thousand spots. Obviously, my overall rank is still not very good at six hundred and forty k or so, but still tons of room to make up some ground within the entire game. And I'm only seventeen points behind you, and that's like three hundred thousand spots, right? So if you, like you said, had an additional seventeen points this game week, you'd be in the top one hundred k. So there's really only you know when you look at it like that, there's maybe. 35 points separating the top 600K and the top 100K. So still very much bunched up and better days to come, especially later in the season when we're going to be activating our other chips and hitting those double game weeks. Across my squad, the best part of this game week, obviously, you know, every, everybody got the Holland points. That's great. He's amazing. 26 points as a captain. My first Mother bleeping clean sheet from a goalie this season. A big whopping six points for Pickford. Whew. He was one of the three players that returned points this game week for me. I think you only had Holland return points in your starting 11, so wasn't much better for me. Uh, six points from Pickford. 
And then also six points from Mitro and everything else was abysmal. Had Andreas and Nico Williams on my bench. So I had 17 points benched um, this game week as well. So both of us would have loved to see the bench boost chip um, possibly played this week. Moving forward, you know, my transfer was, like many, the most popular of the entire game week and was Trossard, who obviously blanked versus NFO to Foden. And that was a huge transfer that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of managers made last week. And that was a ultimate just trap. Wow. Not only does Foden not start, mother bleeping Trossard wipes the clean sheet away from City in a game that City completely dominated. And Ederson got beat on the near post. I I couldn't believe that. I was very surprised to see that go in. So that was frustrating, to say the least. And now heading into next week, one free transfer, 1.4 million in the bank. So I have some tinkering to do to try and improve and get a green arrow next week. Yeah, pretty crazy that Salah and Trossard both blank against Nottingham Forest, the perceived worst defense in the league. And both of them bang home pretty regular goals, I would say. they It wasn't like they were uh, worldies by any means against City, who's perceived to be the best defense in the whole league, let alone the best team. So uh, just very shocking yeah. uh, performances, moments. And very much, very much just hashtag so FPL for that to happen in that sequence of events because so many managers are wasting their transfers trying to bring in and target NFO. Then we see Steve Cooper park the bus. He understands that they will not get a single point at the current tactical arrangement that they have out there right now. And so they've got a few clean sheets and get the huge three points. So at least even though our Liverpool assets did not deliver, Liverpool just deserved to take that L for the lineup that they had out there and that performance. Their fans are holding a lot of L's this season right now. And uh, I saw crazy, crazy FPL Twitter was going for it because a lot of Liverpool faithful were actually calling for Klopp to be sacked following this result and to believe Good the Lord. 180... I mean, you would think they were the Chelsea board the way that they were calling for the manager's head. (laughs) It was like, I couldn't believe it. They went for the quadruple last season and were in conversation for the best team ever. And uh, less than six months on, they're saying that the manager should be out and he doesn't know what he's doing. So uh, that is FPL. That is the Premier League in a nutshell. Uh, With that, let's keep it moving. The average score in game week 13, we said it was wacky, 51 points. And I saw a number of teams on FPL Twitter, Brian, that had more points than that just on their bench. So this was just one of those game weeks where (laughs) uh, move on, put it in the rearview mirror as quickly as possible. Let's just look ahead because uh, game week 14 is going to be our game week. Yeah, and before we do that, we just want to shout out the manager of the game week, which is Josh's Army, a.k.a. Josh Thankey. He netted 71 points, so 20 points above the average. Well done to him. He had Holland captains and then had the double dip with Ward in goal. Another clean sheet, three out of four clean sheets for Ward. And then uh, Matto notched eight points for him. Started Pereira for 10 points as well. So Josh could have had an additional 10 points if he started Miggy, who was on his bench instead of Daka. So well done, 71 points. He's going to be increasing in the ranks. Yeah, and we should just cover the top of the table because there's a new sheriff in town, Matthias Sartre. His team, Hollandaise, Hollandaise Sauce? Hollandaise Sauce? Like Hollandaise <laughs> Sauce, I think, 
Let's he's, go with he, that. He's saucy. He's saucy and bossy, Bucks. All that matters is he's top of the table. He had 69 points this game week. He's on 804 points all out into the top 15K overall. Congratulations to Matthias. He has a fantastic team. Captain Holland. He had Mitro, Andreas, De Bruyne. And he had returns all over his lineup. So congratulations to Matthias. If you're a top FPL manager in our mini league, you know, you're just one big game week away from being featured on our humble little podcast. So best of luck to all of the managers involved already. And to all of you who have yet to hear your name shouted out in the big bright lights of this podcast feed, there's still opportunity yet. All right, Bucks. Thanks for recapping our FPO Blue Super League. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some of the top performers from game week 13 and who also passed the eye test because we love to watch all the matches. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's dive into game week 13 and what happened on the pitch, starting with the top performer of the game week. And that went to one notorious cat kicker, Kurt Zuma. He looked fantastic. He used his head more than his feet, which was good for any felines in the building, but uh, it wasn't great for the opposing net because he got 15 points total, a great goal, and he's only 4.5 million. So real budget darling. But again, not if you're friends to the cats in your life. We have a strict policy around these parts to treat all of our pets with love and replicate the joy that they bring us in our lives. But from an FBL perspective, Zuma, 15 points. And especially since he got those 15 points on Monday in the last fixture of the game week, there are a few managers who just absolutely uh, saved their game weeks and they shot off the ranks. So um, we're seeing that the West Ham team is stabilizing after a slow start. They're starting to get some goals. They're starting to look like a really formidable unit once again. Obviously, they should be a top half of the league um, type of team. So we're seeing that come to fruition. Very true. Let's keep it moving. Leon Bailey is next up in the top performance category. New manager, new Leon, because he showed up in a big way in this game. And I think many of the Villa attackers uh, were flattered by the way that they showed up for the new head coach. Steven Gerrard out. You could just see he was a real burden on this squad. He was out of ideas, out of creativity. And yeah, they they just played with a newfound freedom, a newfound gusto going forward. And Leon Bailey exemplified that. He had 13 points, a goal, an assist, and two bonus points. He's also budget 4.6 million at this point. And I think that it just it was contagious because as soon as the opening kickoff, he had the ball in the back of the net and Villa really didn't let off the gas pedal the entire match from that point on. Such a surprising result here to win 4-0. They scored in the first 12 minutes. They had three goals already, and nobody could have predicted this much of a new manager bounce. So well done to Villa and uh, Kings of Leon, Leon Bailey. He comes in with a huge haul. I didn't see him in many Twitter teams, to be honest, because he – is definitely the secondary option compared to Pereira. But, hey, he's $4.6 million at this point. So somebody to watch, especially when we see Unai Emery come in and hopefully 
turn Villa's season around. Uh, I, I want to discuss this just for a minute, Bucks. Like, what are your thoughts on Unai Emery coming back to the Premier League after winning the Europa League with Villa Real last year? Fantastic signing from Aston Villa and a real uh, smooth piece of business for them to get in such a top coach and a well-regarded coach from the global perspective. He is most known in the Premier League for his time at Arsenal, and it wasn't all happy sailing there, but he did give the first runouts to Martinelli, Saka, and Emil Smith-Rowe. So I think that bodes really well for the attacking options at Villa and also for some young players in the team like Jacob Ramsey. Um, so I just expect that we are going to see a lot more of fight from the villains from this point forward. And I think they're not going to be content to uh, be playing to one, one draws. They're really going to be going for it with the level of skill they have going forward. I mean, Buendia, Coutinho, Ramsey, Watkins, Danny Ings, and Bailey, they have a wealth of scorers. So now they just need to put them in positions to be successful. And I think Emery will be the manager to do that. Yeah. Ollie Watkins was joint third for most shots this game week with five. So they have some assets that are really cheap right now. So we could possibly bring them into our FPL teams. I think we'll allow Unai Emery to settle in. He's not going to come in until uh, November 1st. So I'll be looking at these players later after the World Cup kind of unlimited transfer period. Um, I just want to say, though, that Unai Emery is usually known for some kind of abysmal attacking performances. So I think this actually might strengthen their defense more. And we might see somebody like Matty Cash come back onto the menu at that kind of $5 million price tag as a fullback option. Hmm, interesting. I don't know. I think this team is really set up to play one kind of way. And I think he's going to be flexible. That's his, his coaching ethos has been his adaptability, not necessarily his uh, dogmatic reliance on a single set style of play. Let's keep it moving. Erling Holland always makes it in the top performers list. When he's healthy and he was healthy, he gets 13 points, max bonus, three total shots, but two of them hit the back of the net. He's just, he is the best goal scorer I think I've ever seen. He, he makes you panic if you root for the other team in a way that I don't even think Messi had that impact on a game. He just, you know that he's going to score when he suits up and he's in the starting lineup. I feel like it's almost inevitable that he's going to be scoring at least one goal. It's crazy. I mean, he's an absolute fucking unit, Bucks. He, the way that he just threw down the center back after this long pass from Ederson, and he kind of shoves him out of the way. They go shoulder to shoulder. He gives a bit of a shove, and Via reviews it, and he gets the first goal, and then the well-taken penalty. Very quick run-up, no overthinking it, and he just destroyed that pen too so 26 points he's the perma cap but we are recording on tuesday october 25th and in the evening in the states and he has just been flagged in the fpl app he picks up a knock versus his old team dortmund so definitely monitor that situation we have some quotes from pep right now and i think that based on you know it's a tuesday we're going to have at least three full days before the next press conferences come out from Pep, I would expect him to still probably play. Pep's basically said that um, he's had a knock in his feet and that's why he wasn't able to play the second half. He came off at 45 minutes. 
he doesn't know the severity of the injury, but after speaking with the medical team and seeing him walk around a little bit, he looked a lot better. So I would just monitor this situation, but this could be an opportunity as well to make sure that we nail our vice captains and just pay attention to the pressers. I wouldn't be moving on from him by any means. He's still the best player in FPL. So don't rage transfer him out just because he's flagged at 75% and go to somebody like Harry Kane. We need to get more information. So pay attention to pressers. Wow. Great nugget there. Uh, Brian is in the training rooms where you cannot be. He has sources everywhere, even in Dortmund. We are a global podcast here, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just. I have been watching. uh, I have been watching a lot of um, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. I got my little birds everywhere, even in the, the training rooms and the UCL matches. Uh, you're more like uh, like Harry Potter with your owls everywhere. All right, let's keep this moving. We're off the rails here, just like my Game Week 13. Next up in the top <laughs> performers, Tim Castagne, 12 points, 4.5 million. A lot of budget guys uh, that we are shouting out up here. And we should give credit, Nick Hazi. One of the mini league members and Brian's brother-in-law had hilarious shout out. He said that this guy is Timothy Costanza from the great show Seinfeld. The guy's like, what do you want? A returner here? What do you want? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He's now returning five straight matches for Leicester who have hit a bit of a purple patch. They've kept the faith with Brendan Rogers. They've picked up a very crucial set of three points in a few matches and Most importantly, they've kept three clean sheets in their last four. And I think for one of those, he was actually even subbed off. So he's in in really good form and he's 4.5 million, somebody to possibly keep an eye on because he's one of those actually rather attacking fullbacks compared to a lot of the 4.5 center backs that are littering our squads right now. A couple more we want to shout out. Danny Ings had a huge performance. He had a brace and he took the penalty and he looked really confident taking that. So that's really good to see 6.6 million. And he might be a player that enters our thoughts in a real way, because as we'll mention in the floppers, another budget forward option got injured this game week. So uh, there are going to be a number of FPL managers who need to make forward transfers. Brian touched on Holland being uh, flagged with a knock. Darwin is reportedly coming back into training. No update there from Klopp and what's going on at Liverpool with his injury status, with his hamstring and Danny Ings fit and firing. And uh, yeah, Villa just look like a team with a second lease on life uh, because they are, they, they have a chance They're They're in the drop zone, but they need, they have enough skill and enough talent to fight their way out of it. Yeah, definitely somebody who has the pedigree and can hit some good patches of form. I think a lot of managers will be thinking about moving off of Mitro next week in game week 15 because they'll play City and Manchester United in their last two matches before the World Cup. So Ding's firmly on the watch list and could be a candidate for Mitro replacement. Absolutely. Next is Dean Henderson. He had another spectacular performance clean sheet unexpectedly against Liverpool with seven saves and max bonus. So he gets another 11 pointer. I feel like he's on double digit halls. Every time we talk on goalkeeper performances, he's having a great season. One of these days, you and I are going to nail one of these double digit returns for our goalies, but we've been left out in the cold 
we've been left out in the cold. I mean, I was happy to get my first uh, clean sheet from Pickford this week, but in general, uh, there's just been some monster scores from popular goalkeepers. So well done to anybody who had the stones to start Henderson. I saw some teams had Henderson and Ward and uh, people started Ward over Henderson for obvious reasons this week, but he's just a classy goalkeeper and he's going to do his best to keep this Nottingham Forest team up. Next up, let's talk about the two budget enablers in the midfield. Wow. Miggy, a man on fire. Bucks, six total shots and a goal this week versus Spurs in their 2-0 upset at Tottenham. What did you see from this guy, Miggy? He's massively in form. He's playing incredibly well alongside Callum The Truth Wilson as an out-of-position second striker. And Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez could stand to learn a thing or two from one Miguel Almiron because he is outplaying both them. He's putting them both into the school locker and taking their lunch money because he already has more goals than both them combined this season. And he's second only to Erling Holland from a points per million conversation. He is just unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Bucks. Hold on. Hold on. I think if we're going to put people in a locker, we may as well put Salah in that locker next to yeah, Grealish and Morris because that's crazy. He's outscoring Salah. It is truly incredible what this guy is doing. He's always been a pressing monster, which has earned him minutes, but he seems very relaxed playing off of Wilson and well done to him. He's definitely somebody who our good friend, Corey Cummings grabbed him on his wild card, started him this week and gets re- instantly rewarded. So well done uh, Corbear on that one. Yeah, not everyone is having a horrible wild card like I am. He's 5.4 million, so he's really cheap also. Goes without saying, Miguel Almiron is the perfect fourth or fifth midfield option. And with that, we can take a look at the top floppers from Game Week 13. Starting with FPL managers like myself, I'll put the hand up all the way to God on Game Week 13 wild card. We shat the bed. We might have waited too long. And uh, yeah, it went really poorly. Let's let's just get that out of the way. Kick some dirt on me while I'm down. Yikes. I think uh, you and I both have had pretty sad wild cards at different times this season. But instead of instant green arrows, we've been set back a few hundred thousand spots combined. So you hate to see it. But look, I think um, moving forward, there's a lot of optimism in your squad, specifically Bucks but it definitely hinges around how these Liverpool players are going to perform because people who brought in and moved on Nunez after he looked so good uh, in the previous game week. And then the likes of TAA who honestly, he looked fantastic when he came on at about 65 minutes, he almost had a goal. He was putting balls in and actually uh, creating a lot of chaos for Nottingham forest, but still that didn't net you anything more than a one pointer. Yeah, perfect transition. Liverpool, their whole team is next up. They look really poor and out of sorts. They, de- I think they're the team that needs the, the World Cup break the most. And I know a lot of their players will be away on international responsibility, but I think their team just needs a full reset, some time away from each other, some time uh, together with competent team structures and remembering what it's like to play winning quality football. I think that's going to be massively important for Liverpool. Probably safe to say that they are no longer title contenders for the Premier League this season, but there's still a lot to play for and they're still in Champions League in a very strong position. So they need to just reset and come back 
ready to go uh, in a real way because uh, this ain't it right now. Yes, I have to agree with you there, Bucks. I think we want Liverpool to become this more dominant team like they have been in years past because they've always had FPL assets for us to rely on. But now the game is in a state of flux. So we'll see what people will do. And I think we'll discuss Mo Salah a little bit later as well. Yeah, last one is just the Trossard to Foden transfer move. Brian mentioned it earlier in the episode. That was the most popular single move in the FPL game, and it came off to really poor effect. Trossard ends up with seven points, Foden with one, and yeah, just brutal noodle across the board because uh, Foden looked, Foden finally got a rest, KDB shined, so uh, just a calamity of errors from Pep Roulette there. And then the final team I want to shout out who was a big flopper this week was Crystal Palace. They go to Goodison and get absolutely manhandled by Everton. This is a match where Everton won 3-0. They more than tripled Crystal Palace's XG. They shut him out. Zaha got a yellow card. We knew that was going to happen. I called it out on one of our group chats. I'm like, 15 minutes later, he had already picked up his yellow card. And then Gahey got absolutely skinned on a perfect spin move from DCL showing shades of a couple years ago, and he gets his first goal of the season. So a very up and down season from Crystal Palace. And some managers like myself started at least one or two of their assets. And that left a sour taste in my mouth for sure. Yeah. Don't sleep on Everton and the fat Franks at Goodison park. They are a great team in front of the home crowd with that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look at, game week 14, and then jump into some community questions. Game week 14 preview. Here we go, Bucks. Let's talk about some of the matches to target, starting with Arsenal hosting Nottingham Forest, who are rather informed, but... I think this is definitely a match where you would love to be tripled up on the side for Arsenal. And look, even though they've gotten a few results and a few results at home, I don't see NFO stopping Arsenal in this one, who will be obviously coming off of that recent draw versus Southampton. So they need to get back to winning ways. Yeah, I think this is a 3-0 to Arsenal in front of their home crowd. Forrest track back to the mean and they are away from the city ground. So they will not have the raucous home supporters uh, beating the drum to keep their defense stable and solid. So I'm expecting Arsenal will get back to winning ways in this one. Next up, we have Leicester hosting Manchester city. So obviously Leicester is rather in form, but man, they actually got absolutely dominated by the wolves in this past weekend, but still lost four to zero. It was one of the most bizarre score lines I've seen because Wolverhampton nearly doubled them up from a XG perspective, but lost four zero and Lester in this one get four goals on their first four shots. They had five shots total in the match. And meanwhile, uh, Wolverhampton. Wow. I, I I've never seen them play so open and so free. And so it was definitely bizarre to see this kind of a result. So I would expect city to want to really get a good result here and pelt them in goal. 
Yeah, I, watching that game, I couldn't imagine how Diego Costa did not have at least one goal, let alone a brace. Uh, he hit the ball with every part of his foot, except the part where he was going to send it into the goal. He hit it with his shin, <laughs> his knee, his ankle. Uh, it was it was bopping everywhere, uh, but not into the back of Ward's net. And yeah, Lester look like they are a resurgent team right now. And Danny Ward is also providing massive returns to his FPL owners. But I I think we're both in agreement that that's going to be uh, four, three to four, zero, three to four, one to City in that affair. I'm saying three, one. I think uh, Lester, when they're down, they're always still very attacking. They don't care if they lose seven, zero or if they lose three zero so i i see them getting some attacking returns barnes and madison both scored last week barnes coming off of two back-to-back eight pointers so he's looking nailed on the left side and then with the likes of vardy daca and madison they'll probably nab a goal in this one but i still expect city to win comfortably agreed moving on liverpool host leads this is a really interesting match i think both jesse marsh and jurgen klopp are both more on the hot seat than they've ever been before since they arrived in the Premier League. So this is a battle of styles. Both managers love to have high press and high intensity. So I think this is going to be a great watch for FPL returns, but also from a pure watch perspective, this is going to be like total football. Uh, There's going to be a lot of hard tackles, a lot of uh, drenched kits, and a lot of high miles run from the lads that suit up in this one it's going to be a great one this leads team unfortunately under jesse marsh our fellow american are not looking so hot they're in the relegation zone at the moment they just gave up three goals to fulham who they were hosting at home so you would expect liverpool to get right in this game and those who have Salah will be leaning on him most likely for the vice captaincy and potentially even captaincy if we do see that Erling Holland is going to sit this weekend. I think that's 2-1 to Liverpool. I think uh, this is the start of things going right for them. All right, next up we have Tottenham. They're traveling to Bournemouth. This is a tasty fixture if you're a Kane owner. I think last week, Bucks, I was texting you a bit. I was like, maybe you should tinker with like a Darwin Holland Kane front trio. And he's a man who has returned in nearly every single match. He finds the back of the net once again off of a set piece. He now has, I believe, 10 goals this season. And he only has three goals with his feet that are not penalty kicks. So very interesting to see his combination of pens plus headers lead the way, but he's ticking along and I wish I would have been on him this whole time instead of hokey cokeying with Mohamed Salah. That's for sure. Yeah. He's Mr. Consistent, but he hasn't been super explosive this season, which is notable and frustrating for FPL managers, but having him in your team alongside Holland basically means you're getting like 30 points a game week, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, especially when you look at my wildcard team and how shit that was. Let's go to the pure watches. First up, Brighton host Graham Potter back at the Amex. Chelsea travel to face Brighton on Seaside. So that should be a great match. Very even, but uh, Chelsea are hot right now. Brighton are not. So I think this is 2-0 to Chelsea. Yeah, it'll be interesting range of emotions for Potter to come back to the Amex. We'll see what the Brighton fans do if they're throwing coins at him or if they give him a warm reception. I would assume that they 
or stay classy. They've had a pretty good performance so far this season, and Potter did a lot for them over the many years of service. I think with Chelsea coming off that crazy 1-1 draw versus Man U, which was a snooze fest turned into a craze fest in the last like 15 minutes, um, I'm expecting them to use their great 2-1 victory in midweek first Champions League and continue that, I'm going to say Chelsea 2-1 at the MX. I like that shout out, the uh, snooze fest turned, uh, turned goal fest. I love that. Last match is Manchester United. They are hosting West Ham. This features two teams uh, that are both on the come up. Uh, Manchester United have really looked like they have turned things around under new manager Eric Ten Hag. They've stabilized. And that was a really classy managerial performance from Ten Hag on the sideline when United went down 1-0 to Chelsea. It seemed like nothing was going right. He steadied the ship and they got the result of a big one-pointer. And David Moyes, former Manchester United manager, now at West Ham, they're not in the drop zone anymore. They look like they are going to be a serious top-half competitor this season, maybe with European competition in their crosshairs. But uh, yeah, they just look like they are both teams trending in the right direction. So this will be a really important result for both them to try and get in their pocket. So what would you predict the score for this one would be? I think 2-1 to United. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think West Ham do score in this match. We actually saw Rafael Varane get injured. I think it's a hamstring. They're waiting on scans to come back, but he's likely going to be out through the World Cup. So in comes Lindelof or even maybe one Harry Maguire, and therefore they're going to concede one goal. Um, Some other noteworthy news across the league. We actually found out that Bowen is going to be off of penalty kicks after his terrible miss. So he actually got subbed off right in like the 85th minute. Versus Bournemouth, Brian. Yeah, they played against Bournemouth. He came off. Then they got a penalty kick. Ben Rama ends up taking it. Exactly. And in the post game, Bowen confesses that he's no longer the guy on penalty kick. So that's a real bummer for FPL managers who recently brought him in, expecting that he had penalty kicks. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a tough match for them. But more importantly, we should just shout out Dominique Solanke, last up got injured this game week. So he is likely going to miss time. We're still waiting for updates from their new manager on that from Bournemouth. But yeah, we mentioned it earlier in the episode, there's a lot of flags popping up at this point in the season. And it's a really nervy point in the season for the players because they have ambitions of not only performing for club, but also going away to the world cup and making a stellar performance for country. Um, So You just got to feel for the players. So many games, not enough rest, not enough recovery. And now they're going to be going to Qatar for a unfairly timed World Cup performance when they're expected to be at their best. So uh, a lot of things working against them right now. Yeah, definitely tough to see. We hate when injuries come in, especially when players are being asked to play every three days. It's a crazy period. So Hopefully, uh, Slanky's okay, but he's a budget enabler, so you should be able to go into your bench to grab a defender or start Andreas. So I wouldn't be rushing to rip him out of your team, and I would focus your transfers elsewhere. All right, Bucks. With Perfect that, let's... transition, Brian. We're like pros over here. I love it. <laughs> that's right. Let's get that's to right. the community let's... questions. Let's jump let's into the mailbag. 
What do we got first, Bucks? Perfect transition. FPL Black Wolf, our former guest host. We're hoping he'll join us once again later in the season. He's asking, who are the best sub 5 million defenders for the next three game weeks? And this is a really great opportunity to discuss the teams with the best fixtures. So we have Everton, Man City, and Man United are the three that jump off the page. And so with that, I think DeLoe and Luke Shaw from Man United are must-considered. 4.6 million for DeLoe, 4.5 million for Shaw. And they have West Ham, Villa, and Fulham in the next three. Yum, yum. And then Ben White, the player I chose to swerve for no logical reason. He's on <laughs> Arsenal. They have great fixtures. They do have Chelsea in 15, but they have Forest. Then they have Chelsea, and then they have Wolves, uh, bookending that difficult Chelsea match. So I definitely think that's at least two clean sheets for Arsenal there. Lastly, Zuma. I really like what I saw from Kurt Zuma. Um, again, he's not my favorite with uh, with house pets, but uh, he looked pretty good on the pitch for the Hammers. Yeah, and Zuma is such an aerial threat. I think he had four or five goals last season, so he's got that in his repertoire and can put up those huge 15-pointers. They are facing Manchester United away, Crystal Palace away, and then Leicester at home, so maybe not the perfect fit. Uh, some runner-up considerations should be the likes of Mikalenko and Castagna. They're two fullbacks that are rather attacking, and both got returns this past weekend. Mikalenko ended up on 11 points, and he's had a few shots on goal. Their fixtures for Everton are pretty impressive. Fulham at Fulham away, Leicester at home, and Bournemouth away. So I don't hate that shout, especially if you don't have a defender from the likes of Everton in your side. Great call. And uh, one more to throw in there, Brian, that you thankfully steered me away from was Rico Henry. He plays for Brentford as a wingback, kind of fullback. And they play Forest in 15, which is an otherwise difficult fixture to navigate for many teams, uh, as there are some top teams that have head-to-head matchups. And I don't know. Brentford are another team that are just a little bipolar right now. So I don't know if you could trust him. And I don't know if I would feel confident starting him any other time than against Forrest. So with that, I don't think it's worth the punt this close to the wild card. Yeah, stay away from Brentford. Tony's the only asset you want to own there. And then if you have Raya, you just ride out the storm. Riot out the storm. Nice. Like what you did there. FPL Black Wolf also asks about Mo Salah. What the hell do we do with this guy? Yeah, that's a question that is at the forefront of the FPL community. He's playing Leeds. Leeds just gave up three goals to Fulham. You'd have to anticipate that Klopp has had an important week of training. We'll see what they do in midweek. Uh, they play tomorrow on Wednesday, October 26th for Champions League. So hopefully they'll get back to their winning ways there and we'll have some confidence going into that fixture versus Leeds. I think it's really important to note that we're seeing a lot of impressive results from the home teams lately. So whenever you can, you want to focus on those players, especially for like clean sheet opportunities. So I think this was something that we overlooked this past weekend with the likes of Everton hosting Palace and, you know, two rather kind of even teams, but it was utter domination from the Evertonians. So uh, just something to note, especially when you're setting up your lineups and you're looking at picking between your fourth and fifth defenders to possibly get a start. 
the home field advantage is really coming in. And I expect that to happen for solid this weekend versus Anfield. I guess the real problem is there's not a lot of players that you can move to if you're already tripled up on the likes of Manchester City. So where else could you go with that solid money, Bucks? Yeah, I think Salah to Saka is going to be a really popular move uh, with Saka and Arsenal getting Forrest at home. That's pretty much the best fixture in the book. So if you have Martinelli and you have room to double up on Arsenal in attack, that would be a very logical move. I also don't hate the idea of going for a guy like Mason Mount. He was rested in Champions League. Chelsea don't have the easiest fixtures, but he's turning into a little bit of a differential and he's clearly the favorite under Graham Potter. I mean, he's the favorite under every coach. He's just that special and talented of a player, but I think that he is the creative engine for Chelsea going forward. And just like Kovacic has been one of their best players this season and going way under the radar for FPL, Mason Mount is starting to bubble up to the surface of his FPL returns are starting to happen and he's in a purple patch. So I really like the idea of a sideways move or even just going Sala down to a guy like Almiron and going maybe Solanke up or Tony up to a guy like Harry Kane. Uh, without Salah, you're going to have plenty of cash to splash elsewhere in your squad. Personally, I'm in the same position this week. I have Salah in my side, only one free transfer. So I think I'm going to keep him for this match and then they will play away at Spurs. And so maybe next week I'll be thinking about a double move and bringing in Harry Kane, who again, next week is tricky. We're going to have four of the top FPL teams playing against each other. We're going to have the likes of Liverpool playing at Spurs and then Arsenal playing at Chelsea. So definitely some tricky fixtures for FPL managers to navigate. And you don't know who's going to pop off in those matches. So whoever you have is likely who you'll just ride out that storm with. But I think Harry Kane with the fixture at home versus Leeds as well. So two home fixtures from 15 and 16 could be a good use of your cash if you're going to move Salon then. Great shout. I love that. Let's get to a question from Corey Cummings. He's asking about maximizing transfers for the remaining three game weeks, 14, 15, and 16. Where are you looking, Brian? Who's who's your standout? I know we shouted out Harry Kane. We've said a number of names earlier in the podcast. Who's someone we haven't yet touched on? Yeah, super tricky. Um, I think we're kind of assuming that most managers are tripled up on Manchester City, but if you're not, KDB, he gets a full rest midweek. So KDB would be a top possible choice to bring into your team. A lot of us have gone for Foden instead to save the funds, but either Foden or KDB should definitely be in the top of your watch list and bringing in if you do not have the triple up. From there, you're looking at players, even though Saka and Arsenal do play the Chelsea squad in game week 15, He's on pens and he's still a great asset to own. So he's somebody I would also consider for that game week. Anybody else, Bucks? Yeah, one player I'm not seeing shouted out a ton is Anthony from Manchester United. I really like I like his price point and the fact that he's a bit of a differential. The easier move is to bring in Marcus Rashford. He's playing out of position as the forward. He's 6.6 million and is owned by close to 16% of the game. But Anthony is really the kind of high explosive player 
the he's the one with the big upside chase and he's 7.6 million so very affordable and he's owned by less than 10 percent of the game so i just think that could be a really interesting differential if you're tired of owning zaha or you're looking to move on from sala anthony could be your guy yeah he's nailed on on the right again manchester united are going to host west ham then play away at Villa and away at Fulham. So there should be goals to come. If you're really not you know, strapped for cash, taking a punt on Bruno Fernandes could also be something that rewards FPL managers. He is barely owned by anybody and has sunk like a rock this season looking at his, um, his kind of overall price. Right now, 2% owned in the whole game. This was somebody that was upwards of 50% owned a few seasons ago. And um, again, Maybe lightning in a bottle for a couple game weeks, but if you're a Man U fan, it might be fun to have him for these next three game weeks before we reset for the World Cup. And listen, that's what we are chasing at this point in the season. You need lightning in the bottle. We have three game weeks until the entire game goes on hiatus for a month and a half. We will have endless transfers and a kind of limitless wild card for six weeks time. So the time to get the points is now. So you need to be being aggressive, being strategic, and being intentional with your transfer moves to really spike some of these big hauls. With that, let's stop talking about potential and dreaming of what's to come. Let's look at our transfer plans and captaincy shouts for game week 14. All right, Bucks, we are going to reveal what we are going to do for game week 14 let's first start with holland again he has a knock we're not going to rush to move him out but this would affect our captaincy shouts if he's going to possibly be benched for the weekend with that being said where are you leaning with captaincy if holland is out in that scenario oh man i don't even want to think about that that universe that we might have to live in without Erling Holland being I know you you really you really have to get the hamster spinning in that brain of yours to to point gotta, out another option. Yeah, you got to knock off a lot years of rust so to speak. But uh if I had to do it, I think I would put the arm man on Bakayo Saka. He has penalties, they play Forest and he's looked really attacking the last couple of game weeks. And then I would just slot the vice captain armband which is currently on Saka onto Martinelli. So I'd put it on both their attackers, I go big or go home on Arsenal. Right now, I have the captaincy on Holland. I'm waiting for news. And potentially, I might even get crazy and put it on Darwin because he could be a differential going against Leeds. I like my attackers. I just need some of them to be healthy and be nailed in the lineup. That would make my life a lot easier. Yeah, I definitely like the soccer shout if you own him versus NFO. Martinelli, I think, is never going to be a captaincy shout for me. He is cooling off quite a bit. I know he did get his goal and assist versus Liverpool in game week 10. But over the last six game weeks, he only has six shots in the box total. So this is a player that's obviously part of a great buildup and they're very attacking. So he will get some breakaway and counterattacking opportunities. But with that being said, he is really not the goal threat that we need him to be. So Saka is taking more of that role after Gabriel Martinelli hit the doors running in the early days. So I like the Saka shout for me. If Holland is out, I'm going to go with Mo Salah once again, home versus Leeds. 
He's on pens and leads are really bad defensively because they play such an open style. They're not capable of parking the bus, right? We we've never seen them do that and they're not very good at it. Um, so I think there's going to be a time when solid does haul and uh, I'm going to keep him for hopefully this one versus leads, but from yeah, a captaincy I... perspective, we all want, we all want Holland to be back in action and bang in another brace versus Lester. Amen to that. And if you're a loyal listener, you should also be hoping that Brian does not have to give the armband to Sala as we might have a funeral next podcast episode as we know Brian quitting the game of FPL for the season as he just throws his phone and his computer into the bay in San Francisco. And he just writes it off and says, I'm done. This Sala guy, he's a total fraud. He's a fake king. And uh, that's because... That's how he's playing right now. He is not not the one that's been promised thus far this season. I can tell you what's going to happen already. You know, future game weeks, I'm going to have, I'm probably looking at rolling my transfer this week. And next week, I'm probably going to move Sala out and grab Harry Kane instead. And so I think this is going to be disastrous for me uh, because I can already see Sala getting a brace at uh, at Spurs. And then I brought in Harry Kane instead. So anyway, a little foreshadowing, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, my other <laughs> transfer that I was thinking about was Zaha up to Saka. I have 1.4 million in the bank, so plenty of money. It's just a bit tricky with Saka obviously being a great shout this week, but then plays at Chelsea. And I do not want to be rooting for multiple players in the Arsenal side versus my squad. So I'm thinking about just holding Zaha. He was he's frustrating in the sense that Crystal Palace are just, they're mediocre. They're they are not as good as we were hoping they'd be this season under Vieira after promise so much promise last year. And they're playing home versus Southampton. So I have to keep Zaha. I can't move him out for Saka this game week. So I'm going to roll. And then I think what I'll do is really plan to get Mitro out because Mitro has away versus City and then home versus Manchester United. Don't love those for him. And he's been taking painkillers every week he's still putting in goals with his head very fortunately for owners but he's uh he's on painkillers for his foot and then with the world cup coming up i could just see him with a couple 60 minute performances if they're losing versus city and manchester united so that's where i'm going to focus my transfers moving forward here yeah it makes a lot of sense and echoes some of the things we were talking about earlier in the pod about backing the home team zaha's performances have really looked Uh, superb at home in front of Selhurst Park, where when he goes on the road, he is kind of MIA. So uh, I am also going to be rolling the transfer. I have a full team of new players from a wild card. So I'm going to stay faithful for one more game week before likely getting wild and wacky with two free transfers. And I'm going to Captain Holland, as we mentioned. I think, Brian, you are too, uh, barring additional information. So stay tuned. We'll be like detectives on your behalf and posting on Twitter and social media for any updates coming out of the injury room from the training pitch. Uh, Follow us wherever you get your social media, wherever you consume your FPL content. We love you if you're a listener. We love you if you're yet to become a listener and just dipping your toe in. And we're wishing everyone green arrows and a break from the FPL Blues in game week 14.
That's right, Bucks. We are going to come back with green arrows. Enjoy the regular game week, and we will see you for game week 15 preview next week. Awesome. Thanks, everyone.